say the title, and we can see if everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about, then we'll uh, know how much of an introduction is necessary. The title of tonight's shir is, Why are hundreds of Jews from Brooklyn sifting through garbage in Rochester? How many of you don't know what I'm talking How many of you do know what I'm talking about? Okay, so let me, let me play you something. This is how I found out about it. It's a two-minute clip. You don't have to see. If you can't, you know, obviously if you see it, it's great, but... You don't have to see to understand what's going on here. And I think even the recorder might be able to pick this up, hopefully. Um, here's, uh, I think it's just a two-minute clip. If, if it's not, I'll stop it after two minutes. Here's the news story someone sent to me. It's a three-minute clip with the, with the caption, Beautiful video to show Mesiris Nefesh for Tefillin. So I was like, oh, I'm interested in a beautiful video to show Mesiris Nefesh for Tefillin. And here's the clip. All right, we're going we're gonna to move on to another story now. Jennifer Lukey is joining us live from a landfill with an incredible story, Jen. Yeah, Brett, well, good evening. Basically, what's going on here is a massive search is underway because an artifact from a Jewish synagogue in Brooklyn, New York, slipped into a trash can and made its way from the trash truck to a train to this landfill, landfill here in Fairport. And... Uh, dozens of volunteers have been here for two days now, sifting through trash, trying to find this artifact. Take a look at this story. An artifact. Oh, my boy. They started spilling containers, and I'm like, These are, this is a lot of garbage to sift through. But you're working hard. Doing it for God and for the cause. Isaac Newirth is just one of dozens of volunteers looking for the tefillin bag. The elderly man who it belongs to bag. is also here. I've seen him the past 72 hours. He hasn't closed his eyes yet. He's working effortlessly. The man has worn the items inside the he bag every day since his <laughs> He had no idea what happened to the bag until he saw this surveillance video, which shows it simply falling into a trash can. If you it's haven't seen the video, it's, it's very crazy. sad because you want that sentimental item. First of all, for the holiness of the item, you don't want it being, you know, tossed and, and, and who knows where it's going to end up landing at the end of the day. So we want to prevent that. And the second thing is he wants the item that he wore all those years that he prayed with to God. That's, you know, he wants to keep doing it with the same exact, you know, clothing as he always did. But finding a bag like this and a pile like this is no small task. They pinpointed the certain 32 containers that were shipped out that day out to Rochester. containers. I'll stop the video there. Do you know how many, how large a container is? We're talking about like a, a train car size container. 32 of them. They've pinpointed within 32. So they have dozens of Jews from this shul in Brooklyn spending a week in Rochester spending all day sifting through these containers. So this has been the story that's uh, been going around, and uh, you basically see two reactions to this story. Reaction number one is, let's see, what's your reaction? Me ka'amcha Yisrael, how nice, how amazing that the Jewish people are interested in uh, finding this person's tefillin, and look at the time and the effort and the money, so far $30,000 invested in being able to find this fellow's tefillin. So that's one reaction. What's the other reaction you're likely to hear? What a waste of time, what a waste of effort, 
all to look for a puzzle pair of tefillin that's already been crushed by the garbage truck. What are they doing? You know how many Yisomim and Almanos you can feed with that money that they're spending? What kind of bittel Torah that they're, uh, they, they, they would be learning in their kailal instead, instead they're out there sifting through garbage all day. Um, and, and depending on who you talk, what a Kiddush Hashem, what a Chilul Hashem. So you, you, have, uh, you, you have a range of, uh, of, of reactions. So I figured, you know, we should talk about like Halacha. You know, what, what, what is, is, this a, is this a mitzvah? Is it not a mitzvah? Is it a chiyuv? To what extent would it be a chiyuv? What would the mitzvah be? And what should our attitude in uh, Halacha or Ashkafa even? Halacha I'm a little more comfortable than Ashkafa because... Uh, you know, people sometimes think anyone can have an opinion in hashkafa, but halacha you need to be an expert. Halacha you need to be an expert. Hashkafa you need to be a super expert in kala to really have a valid opinion in hashkafa. But um, but okay, but let, let's let's discuss. So what are the issues over here? What kind of mitzvah might we be talking about? Well, what's the issue? So one one element is certainly certainly the protection of kedusha satfilin. There's there's an item that has that has definite kedusha. You want to protect that kedusha, and it's a terrible bizayon to fill in for it to be thrown out with the garbage. You see these giant piles of garbage. I thought it all went to Staten Island. I guess it all goes to Rochester. Okay. You have to go out of your way to. Really so okay. So to what extent do you have to go, and do you have to go at all out of your yeah, way? I've never heard of such a conversation. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay, so now Hanukkah, but even more, because there's something called Tashmisha Mitzvah and there's something called Tashmisha Kedusha. Tashmisha Mitzvah are things that were designated for mitzvah use. Things that were designated for mitzvah use, you're not allowed to throw out in a, in, in, in a, in a degrading way. So you wouldn't be allowed to throw directly in the trash, you, but you would be allowed to throw it out by wrapping it in a separate bag and then putting it in the garbage. That's why people get rid of their love menestrogam. After circus is over, you can stick it in a garbage bag, a separate bag, and then uh, throw in there. I, right after circus, I took all the lovem, I put them in a separate bag, and my wife was like, oh, a half full of garbage bag, and she kept on throwing things. I'm like, no, I guess you didn't get the point. But, the, uh, but the, the, you're supposed to put them in a, in a separate bag and then, and then, then throw them in the garbage bag. But Tashmisha Kedusha, Tashmisha Kedusha is on a different level. Tashmisha Kedusha is anything, Rav Shakta explains in Eretz Atzvi, anything that has Ksav Shel Torah. So Mezuzah, Tefillin, Sefer Torah. Tashmisha Kedusha cannot be thrown out. It has to be Nignazin. It has to be, it has to be buried. So this is, this is an even higher level of Kedusha. So we would want to treat it with great sanctity. Uh, it, it, but over here, yeah, first of all, it, it does, but, but also it's, you have the, because it's, but it's, it's associated with the, with the ah, exception. Okay. So it's not the Kedusha Atzma, but it's Tashmishe Kedusha. Um, and, and also, the, these are entire sets of Tefillin. So to what extent does one have an obligation to protect the Kedushas, had Tefillin and protect from Bizarre? Meaning, forgetting that there's a person who owns these Tefillin. Even if nobody owned these Tefillin, not, not Benadam Lechavero, you have to protect the Kedushas HaTfilin. There's a guy in my shul, told me, uh, he showed me, he, he was walking down the street of Manhattan one day, on the way from the train to his office. Mamish walking down the street of Manhattan, and he saw on the sidewalk Tfilin. Not a bag of Tfilin, not Tfilin in the cover box, black Tfilin, Tfilin, out there, just on the street in, in Manhattan. So what did he do? Obviously, someone was cleaning out their office or their apartment or something and found some old things and just chucked them in the street. So he picked them up. 
they, they were obviously puzzled at that point, but you can't just leave tefillin sitting on the street. So he picked them up, brought them to me. What should we do with this? Are they salvageable? Do we have any sort of hashavas aveda? So you don't have hashavas aveda. It's an aveda midas. If someone throws something, did we just discuss aveda midas? Oh, one second, we'll discuss here. So, but, but like something that was dafka thrown on the street, I told him, you don't have Saveda. I think I mentioned recently, Rabbi Danny Rapp, who works in the, uh, in the Beisdin, uh, mentioned that, you know, the, the example of Aveda Midas that he, that he liked to give is you have a, uh, a lot of times in the Beisdin, when they're doing a get, right after the get is over, the, the woman will take off her wedding ring and throw it on the floor. So, like, you don't, you don't pick it up and say, excuse me, honey, I think you dropped this. Like, no, no, she knows she dropped it. She got rid of it. There's no Hashav Zaved when a person, Dafka, got rid of something. So there would be, in, in that case, this fellow from Eshul found Tefillin on the floor in Manhattan. There's no Hashav Zaved, but he still has to protect the Kedusha Tefillin. So we opened them up, they were possible, we put them in Geniza. So that's what you do with... Uh, in, in Shemus, yeah, you put them in Shemus. So that's what you do. That's what you do with uh, with tefillin. But what, the, the second issue, and you just raised it, is Hashavas Aveda, right? There's a mitzvah Hashavas Aveda. So is the entire process that they're engaged in part of that mitzvah Hashavas Aveda? Um, ah, or do you say Hashavas Aveda is you, you, what does the Torah say? You're walking down the street and you see someone's sheep wandering around. So you see the sheep. So now you have an iser that immediately kicks in. Before the mitzvah kicks in, an iser kicks in. What's the iser? Losucha lisalim. You're not allowed to pretend you don't see it and just keep on going. You have to do something. So you take possession of it. The second you take possession of it, now you have a mitzvah. You have mitzvah, you have, you have requirements of shmira. You have to make sure that, they, that, that it's protected. And you have to go look for the owner and try to return it to the rightful owner. A mitzvah to return it to the rightful owner. Over here, Halavai, they would have seen these tefillin. They, they don't. They don't see the tefillin. It's somewhere in 32 containers of garbage. That's, that's a lot of garbage. That's, uh, that's, that's a, they, is it enough to say that they know it's in one of them? Ah, so is it enough to say that, you know, that's like, say, first I thought, maybe. But then, like, you know, I, I know it's somewhere in New York. Like, like, to what extent? Oh, there's more certainty here. Like it's definitely one of those garments. Enough and obvious, you just don't know where it is. So right, okay. Oh, uh, is there Yehush over here? Is there Yehush over here? That, okay, so this is our Shabbos Avedi issue. Second issue that we're going to have to talk about. We'll talk about both. Then, just in general, um, using resources to do a, let's, let's say, a mitzvah, whichever mitzvah it is. To, to what, what's the limit in terms of the resources you, you, you'd use in order to be able to do a mitzvah? I think I've mentioned to you in the past, I know a guy who's, who's not very religious, uh, to put it mildly. Um, he grew up like sort of conservadox and now uh, affiliates more conservative than, uh, than orthodox. But he went to a day school growing up and he's a very, very bright guy, very educated man. And he, he decided... Uh, a, number, a number of years ago that he was going to have one mitzvah. He knows that he's not the greatest Jew. He's going to have one mitzvah that's going to be his mitzvah. And he's going to do this mitzvah no matter what. And he decided his mitzvah is going to be Birchah Sachama. Right? Why? Yeah, because it only comes once every 28 years. So he figures he can, ma- he can manage it. So he had actually reserved a plane in case it would have been a cloudy day. On that Erev Pesach, he had reserved a plane to go up in a plane to be able to say the bracha just in case. Now, is that a reasonable expenditure for, for a bracha? You know, you're supposed to say a hundred of them every day. Is that a reasonable expenditure? So at what point do you say this is no longer a reasonable expenditure for a mitzvah? 
So that is, uh, that is issue number three. And then you have a whole bunch of ancillary issues, a bunch of side issues. Uh, the covet of an, of an old man who's very uh, distraught. Now, in the news story, it said he's an old man. According to Yeshiva World News, he's 35. As a 39-year-old man, I would like to believe that a 35-year-old is not yet an old man. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that's about. Um, the, 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 you have sentimental value. Does halacha recognize sentimental value? Meaning clearly... He's worn it, according to that newscaster, he's worn it every day since his bar mitzvah. So is there, is there a sentimental value? In, in, do we recognize that as, a, as something worth spending more on, spending more time, more money, what more effort? What Oh, good. So that's an excellent mashal. Let's say, this is tefillin. I, was, I, I just spoke about this earlier this evening in, in DRS, and there was a boy there who told me that his grandfather... I might as well mention the name of the grandfather. His grandfather, Shlomo Shiner, was a uh, Holocaust... I, I, the DRS, um, post, the Halb's uh, post-high school-based marriage pro- program was and is called Lev Shlomo, after Shlomo Shiner. So he, he was a Holocaust survivor who hid tefillin in his shoes through the camp. He shared it with two other people. He gave it to other people, and it survived the whole time. Can you imagine? Now, that pair of tefillin the family still has. Can you imagine that pair of tefillin? If, God forbid, this would happen to that pair of tefillin, would anyone be saying, ah, what a waste, what a waste of time, what a waste of resources? Would you say such a thing about that pair of tefillin? So what's the difference? Well, because I'm going to measure that sentiment is more worthy than this sentiment. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we measure these things? How do we, so that's, that's a fair point. Uh, another ancillary issue: the, the Kiddush Hashem uh, element. You know, how do we? Is is this a Kiddush Hashem? Is it a Chilul Hashem? You know, how do we how do we view it? And it really may depend on how the world is uh, is is viewing it. But tens of thousands of people are seeing something through the news, through the various news I heard on WCBS radio this morning. It's 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 out there. Um, I don't know when I heard it on the radio, because I never listen to the radio anymore, now that I found all these great Torah apps. But I did hear it on the radio. At some point, I heard it on the radio. By the way, a great app. I don't know, just a quick plug. Rabbi Rudinsky's Yeshiva in Muncie has a fantastic app. If you need a good Torah app, you know Rabbi Tal Rudinsky? Great stuff. Anyway, um, the, then there's the Bittal Torah element. All, all these Hasidim should be learning Torah. There's a Bittal Torah for them to be engaged in this. Wouldn't Less built for anybody? Like, that that yeah, love It just happens to be Hasidim, but love Dafka, right? Anyone should be learning Torah, right? We believe that all Jews are chayav in Talmud Torah, or at least half the Jews are chayav in Talmud. Torah. What? They also probably know it's possible, right? So what is it? Meaning, this has been put in the back of a garbage truck, been compressed by the garbage truck, then stuck in these containers with the weight of. Tons of, of, of trash on, on them. Right. Mistama, they're possible. Not, not so possible, they're possible. My phone got run over by a car. They were totally fine. I don't know it's the same thing. But the wheels of the car went yeah, over? There were tire marks on top of my phone. It's a crazy story that they had. What kind of car was it? Was it one of those flying cars? It was a classic Like a minivan. Wow. <laughs> a Jewish car, like a, a Sienna. <laughs> I was driving once in uh, with my kids in the summertime, somewhere in the middle of Ohio. We were somewhere in like some small town in Ohio, and my kids were like, "I didn't know there were Jews in this town." 
I'm like, why do you think there are Jews in this town? They said, because there's an Odyssey right there. <laughs> they assumed that only Jews drive out of the Odyssey. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's discuss some of these issues. Let's start with Hashava Saveda. So one could make the argument, one would be enticed to make the argument that this is not Hashava Saveda at all, because it's certainly not the way the Torah describes Hashava Saveda, where you come across an Aveda and then you have an obligation to return it. However, the Shulchan Aruch, in Choshemishpah, some Reish Nuntes, and then again, some Reish Pehei says that if you prevent Mamun Chavero Mehefsid, you stop someone else's property from getting destroyed, that is a Kiyum Mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda. If you have the ability to prevent someone else's stuff from getting destroyed, even though it's not lost, he knows exactly where it is, but he doesn't realize that there's a threat to his items right now, and you have the chance to prevent them from being destroyed, and you don't, it's a violation of Losamur al Damreacha. The Rambam mentions this in Sefer Mitzvah, that there is an, an, an idea, a mitzvah, to prevent loss to somebody else. So that's assuming that the tefillin wouldn't be destroyed already, or at least on some level damaged. Right. Well, that's assuming that, the, that there's a chance that there's still kasher, right. Um, now, what kind of, uh, of effort needs to be expended for that? You know, and also. It, it, can you keep if you find them is it finders keepers you know the, there is a concept called uh, zuto shalyam zuto shalyam means let's say there's a and, and this is quoted in Shulchan Aruch in simulation and test in but let's say you have like a, a, a natural disaster occurs you remember Hurricane Sandy any, any of you live in neighbors that got hit really bad so you saw rivers going down your block and like you'd see like oh there's my neighbor's uh, you know <laughs> his backyard furniture and his front yard furniture just like floating down the street so the halacha is, the Gemara talks about exactly that case. You see the, the neighbor's uh, stuff, you could take it, it's yours. It's because he's, he's been miyayesh, it's gone, it's bezutosh, it's irretrievable, so you can go ahead and retrieve it. Uh, in fact, the Shulchan Aruch goes on to say, even if the Baal HaChefetz is omid v'tzavach, she'eno miyayesh, He's there, he's screaming, I'm not miyayesh, I still think it can be found, I don't care how many containers of garbage there are. Most people, when they make that initial phone call, where did the garbage go? Oh, 32 train car sizes, size containers of garbage. It's, it's in one of those that are in Rochester, New York. Most people would say, thank you very much, I think I need to buy a new pair of tefillin. Right? Meaning, so it could be that you're allowed to keep it. That you, you know, there are a lot of tshuvas right after the Holocaust. People who retrieve svarim that were left, that were, that, that were abandoned by people who were on the run, who were running away. Massive libraries, very, very valuable things. You know, some, they, they couldn't bring everything with them. So artwork or svarim or things of this nature, can, can, is it finders keepers? That it's zuto shliyam, they already were miyayish, they already gave up hope, they, they don't think they're ever getting it back, so can you actually keep it? The Sri Deish has a tshuva about this. And Sri Deish writes that in one of the journals in his time, he writes that, uh, that, that they had published, someone had published that, uh, that, that, it's, that, that, uh, that it is Zutosh and you're allowed to keep, you're allowed to keep whatever, whatever you want. But he says that that's totally incorrect. He didn't think that that was correct in this situation. And he said, because we knew that the Nazis were extremely organized. And therefore, whatever they got their hands on, there was a very good chance that they were just cataloging and, uh, you know, and, and saving for whatever, for whatever purpose. And, and we also held out hope 
that uh, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to be Mavir Memshalas Harasha. You know, he's going to take away these uh, evil Rishayim, and their time will come, and then we'll be able to retrieve everything. I, I, I don't know. I don't, is that was that the attitude people had? I, I've heard of many people that had the attitude well, of right, right, true, but you know, it's gone. You know, I mean, they, they gave up hope of ever seeing it again. I would imagine many people didn't think that, that there would ever be such a thing as a Jew or a Jewish child or a Jewish person again. So I, I'm not sure, but that's what Shridesh says. But the, the, he's working with the same concept. Once something is gone, and the owner has really no hope, no reasonable hope of retrieving it, you're allowed to take it for yourself. So can you imagine all these dozens of people, the guy that finds it says, all right, it's mine. I'm not giving it back. Would he have a taina? So I would think in this case he would oh, not have a taina. What? Not just they're looking for it. They, the only reason he has the ability to look for it is because that everyone is in it for this guy. And, and they made arrangements. It's like everyone is the shaliach of this guy to look for it. So Pashtas over here is he would not be able to say that, uh, that he wants to keep it for himself. Now, is there a chiyuv of Hashavah's Aveda to go to this extent to look for somebody's Aveda? No. I don't think anyone would say there's a chiyuv of Hashavah's Aveda to go to this extent. How much money do you have to spend on Hashavah's Aveda? Yeah, really, and, and then you get reimbursed. Yeah, like, so really nothing. Meaning, even though by mitzvahs in general, you spend up until 20% of your money, you don't spend on Hashavah Saveda, really. I mean, you do spend a little bit, you have lay out some money, and then you get reimbursed. But this, this is way more than the value of the object. L'chora, this is well beyond what a person has to do. Is it a kiyum of Hashavah Saveda? Is it a kiyum mitzvah of Hashavah I would think so. I would think it's a kiyuma mitzvah. It's just not. It's it's far from a chiyuv. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the case of the shulchan aruch with the famous blowing down the river and the guy is so bad that he that he's not uh, yayish. So why wouldn't that be the same thing over here? Even though you have all the people looking for the tefillin. Right. So I'm saying it would be the same thing, except for the fact that you didn't just happen to find it. You were brought to find it on behalf of this guy, and you would never have access to those containers of garbage if not for the fact that the sanitation department was willing to show it to you on behalf of this guy. So, if, in the case of the Shulchan Aruch, if, if this guy's thing flowed out of his house and you took a boat and you were officially looking for, for him, you wouldn't. So, maybe it would be different. Uh, maybe it would be different. Maybe, yeah. Is it, is it still a cube of the Shabbos if there's a little Shem aspect to this idea? It's a Chil Hashem to go and look in the garbage for this tefillin. Why, why, why are you assuming it's a Chil Hashem? Sorry? Why are you assuming it's a Chil Hashem? I'm not assuming. Hashem. You said it's a discussion. It's a Kiddush Hashem. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But let's say, let's assume, no, no, let's, let's not assume anything about that. And just narrowly focus first on the Hashavah Saveda element. So I would think it's a Kiyum Mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda in, in, in its own right. Now, maybe outweighed by other considerations, but I think it's a Kiyum Mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda. I
the Bizayan Tashmisha Kedusha. So this reminded me of a discussion that's not the same, but it's somewhat related. Rav Moshe has a tshuva in, uh, in Igris Moshe to Rav Hutner. Um, Rav Hutner asked the following shaila. This must have been in the 1940s. There was a man who had a contagious illness, a highly contagious illness. And in order to be treated for this illness, he had to be quarantined. He had to be sent off to a remote location where no one else would be allowed in or out, and he would be treated. I guess people in hazmat suits or something uh, would, would go and treat him. And the deal was that while he was undergoing treatment for whatever it is, weeks or months, anything that comes in to his area is going to be contaminated and therefore has to be burnt, has to be destroyed cannot be taken out. So whatever you bring in, don't bring your favorite suit, don't bring it, right? Whatever you bring in, he has no one to dress up for anyway. Whatever you bring in does not, does not come out. will have to be burnt, will have to be destroyed. And the Shiloh was, do I bring my tefillin? Do I bring my tefillin in? Meaning, let's say he's going to be there for two months. So two months of a mitzvah of tefillin every single day, but then knowing that those tefillin are going to have to be, I'm not going to burn them. The, the, the non-Jews who run the hospital or whatever are going to burn them. But, but they're going to be destroyed. So it's not about me doing but protecting the tefillin. The best way to protect the tefillin in this case is not to bring them. But then he won't be doing the mitzvah. So this was the shaila that was asked. Minchas Yitzchak and Chelek Gimel has a tshuva about this. The Tshubin Rav has a tshuva about this. This became like a big deal. Rav Moshe came under a lot of fire for his tshuva on this topic because it seems like a black and white Gemara that you definitely are allowed to bring your tefillin in. Why? What does the Gemara say? Shabbos Tav Kuvchaf. The Gemara says, let's say a person has Shem Hashem Kosov al He's bored in class one day and he's just writing, not tattoos, but writes in ink. Yud Ke Vav Ke on, on his arm. Like, uh, you know, NBA players have tattoos all over their body with uh, Hebrew words. Shem Hashem. Very nice. So a guy has Yud Ke Vav Ke on his arm. And then he needs to do a Tevila Shel Mitzvah. He's got to go to the mikvah for its vila shel mitzvah. Can you go to the mikvah? What's going to happen in the mikvah? The water will likely or possibly rub out the shem Hashem. Okay, because for, for mitzvah, it's the, 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 you have the asay do element, that the mitzvah. So, uh, so does he do it? So the Gemara says, yes, he does it. Shem Hashem Kosovo Basari, you could do it to mitzvah, even though it will be nimchak. And yet, so. It would seem that's slam dunk then. Okay, for a mitzvah, you don't have to worry about mechikas Hashem. Mechikas Hashem is nisr of losasen ken l'ashem elokechem. That the Torah says that when you, see, you go in Torah to and you see all sorts of avodazar, destroy it all. Destroy every avodazar every you see. Search it out and destroy it. But losasen ken l'ashem elokechem. Don't destroy uh, things that represent the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Shemos Hashem, Devar Mishol Kedusha. Don't destroy those. That's the Yisr of Mechikas Hashem. That's the Yisr of destroying Tefillin. And yet for a mitzvah, apparently you're allowed to let it happen. So it seems, yeah, let the guy bring his Tefillin in. He's going to do a mitzvah. And, and yes, ultimately it will cause it to, to be destroyed. But when you write your name, or, sorry, when you write your Kedusha on your arm, if you never take a shower... Never go to the but it will rub off. Ah, it is good. So Ramesha says, you can't bring your tefillin in, right? What does Ramesha do with that Kamara? He says, so many things you could do with that Kamara. First of all, he says, 
there's no other option other than that it's going to get erased. There's no way he's going to go the rest of his life without a shower, without exposing it to the elements in some way or another, without ever being in the rain. Without, it's just not possible. It's not possible. The skin ultimately peels off. It's, it's going to ultimately not be there. So he says, that's, that's different. Who says that these tefillin have to be destroyed, that you're bringing into the quarantine? You know, that, that, that it doesn't say anywhere, those tefillin have to be destroyed. That, that you could leave out and avoid the, the eventuality of them being destroyed. Further, furthermore, Ramosh says... What? He won't be putting on tefillin. That's, yeah. that's not a problem? It's, it's not as bad of a problem as the destruction of tefillin. We'll get to what Ramosh's rayas are in a second. Second of all, Ramosh says, this Gemara is not a good, a good raya because it's Shem Hashem, it's not tefillin. One Shem Hashem is different than all the Shemos and the Chefzah Shal Kedusha of tefillin. He thinks that is a higher level of Kedusha. We'll see why in a moment. Third, what's a bigger Bizayon? That it slowly rubs off from exposure to water, or that you burn something. So he says a much bigger bizayim that it get burnt. Right? That l'chorah is a much bigger bizayim. So that raya doesn't convince, doesn't convince Ramosha at all. Second raya they bring against Ramosha, the run in Shabbos and of Kuflam and Dalar and Bez, quotes from Ramban in Lachamos, that you can give a baby a bris on Shabbos even if you don't have hot water prepared, Aye, but you know you're going to have to prepare hot water afterwards in order to clean the baby off for the health of the baby. Ramban holds you're allowed to do that. Why? You give the baby the bris because right now you have a mitzvah of doing a bris milah. Afterwards, the baby will be a chalashiyash basakana and you'll have a mitzvah to eat up water to save a chalashiyash basakana. You look at your mitzvah right now and you do it. So they said, right now this guy has a mitzvah to put on tefillin. In, a, in two months from now, they're going to burn those tefillin? That's in two months from now. Right now, we deal with the right now. You almost say that was a mitzvah What? You almost say it's a mitzvah Because it will be dangerous to keep them around. Yeah. Right? I mean, a similar idea to that. that right. Now, it happens to be machlokas we showed them. But that's what the Ran quotes in the Ramban. People say this totally on the machlokas. Redvaz and Chacham Tzvi about a doctor tells a patient that you can only fast once in the course of a week, but it would be dangerous for you to fast twice. So does he fast some Gedalia? Some Gedalia comes first. Right now you have some Gedalia. Don't think about Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, yeah, yeah, maybe come to... Or do you say, no, you've got to look at the big picture. And you have to... You've got to look ahead a little bit and see where this is, where this is heading. So if Moshe thinks that's not a right either, he says that Mila is an entirely different story. Mila is Docha Shabbos. You can't bring any Raya's from Bris Mila. Another Raya. Let me just go there. Another Raya against Ramosha. Avodazar Daf Yudches, a story you all know. Rabbi Chanina ben Tradion. Rabbi Chanina ben Tradion was learning and teaching Torah in public. Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma warned him. He said, Tameani, if they're not going to kill you and, and burn your Torah. They're going to burn your Svarim and kill you because, because you're, you're violating the Gezerah and learning Torah publicly. And he continued to do it anyway. And guess what happened? They wrapped him in his Torah and they burnt him. Right? So, but apparently he, he still taught Torah knowing, with warning, that ultimately that Torah would be burned. Because he has a mitzvah, he has a mitzvah to learn Torah. My mitzvah to learn Torah is, is definitely here right now. Uh, eventually, yeah, the Torah will be burnt, but that, that's not my problem. I have a mitzvah right now to learn Torah. Is it, is it also Shas Hashemad when it's a government that's persecuting you? Good, good. Rav Moshe says, um, Rabbi Chinin ben Tzadik might have been wrong. You know what the Gemara says over there? As he's, as he's burning, he says to Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, Ma'ani lo'olam haba, l'chai olam haba. Am I going to go to olam haba? 
I mean, you're giving your life you know, to, to teach Torah in public, to, to learn Torah. You don't think you're going to Olam Abba? Yeah, maybe he wasn't sure if he made the right call. He wasn't sure if he did the right thing. His Rebbe warned him. And obviously, Rabbi Yosem and Kisma thought it wasn't the right thing. Wow, okay. Or you could just say, that's a whole different scenario. Whenever you're dealing with a kashas hashmad like that, you're dealing with, like, you know, not one guy in one situation. You're dealing with something massive like that. I'll give you an example. Rabbi Menashe Klein in his chuvas, the Mishana Halachas. Uh, I used to call it the Mishnah Halachas. I was told he himself called it the Mishana Halachas. So it's not just when people make fun of him that they call it the Mishana Halachas. Apparently that's what he himself called it. So anyway, Rabbi Menashe Klein writes that um, I remember... Asher nahagnu kishayinu b'machnos ha'germanim yimach shimam. Rabbi Klein is a survivor of Buchenwald. Zechron uh, Levrach, Rabbi Klein passed away a couple of years ago. His uh, very interesting character, Rabbi Klein. Um, very big Tamil Chacham, obviously. Uh, wrote many, many volumes of Shalos and Shuvas. About as extreme as one can be in terms of his views on any number of issues, on America, Israel, women, you know, you know any, any number of issues, about as extreme as you could imagine in terms of his, his hashkafos, and his best friend in the whole wide world, Elie Wiesel. Okay, go figure. That's what happens when you go through Buchenwald with somebody. So the, uh, his, the Ungvari Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, Menashe Klein's Yeshiva, was built with Elie Wiesel's Nobel Prize money. The, the uh, amazing, amazing... Uh, thing that they, they had such a such a relationship. But anyway, so he writes, I remember how like Shiner that I mentioned before. And it's clear as day, we know exactly what the Nazis did when they took away our tefillin. Of course they burnt them. Everyone tried. Everyone tried. No one said we shouldn't be doing that because we be that tefillin. Tefillin might get destroyed. But then he says, but you know, it could be that that's different. Something like that, like the Holocaust, could be that that's that that's that's a different a different situation. It's also interesting to note. Rav Moshe says to to support himself. Rav Moshe says, you know, the Tosfos Masech Shabbos Tav Memtes tells us that if you're afraid that you might fall asleep in your tefillin, don't wear them, because part of the mitzvah of tefillin is also protecting tefillin. If you can't protect them, you don't wear them. At what age does a child become chayiv in tefillin? Does the mitzvah of chinuch and tefillin start? It's one of those fascinating halachas. Because the Gemara says one thing, the Shulchan Aruch says something else entirely, and what everyone does is a third thing. So it's very, very unusual. The Gemara says, though, at what age? Katan lishmor tefillin. Not laniach, when he knows how to protect them. Part of the mitzvah is protecting tefillin. If you can't protect them, you can't get the mitzvah fully. So that, 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 that's perhaps a riot to Rav Meisha. What do you do when you bring the tefillin in a place where you can't protect them? Furthermore, Rav Meisha writes, I'm just run out of time. So, so. Rav Meisha writes, Shabbos kuftes vavam beis, kosvei brachos kisorfei Torah. People who write brachos, it's like they're burning Torah. Why is it like they're burning Torah? They write brachos on a parchment, and then who knows, one day there's going to be a fire, and it might be on Shabbos, and you're not going to be able to save those rocks, and they're going to burn in the fire. So by you writing, by you creating all these shamans, by you just printing out all these Torah sheets, you know, where do you think they're going to end up? So it's Kisar Torah. 
That's that's what Moshe. I'm not making a psak on the Dvar Torah sheets right now. That's a different shmuz. It could be that that's a to- probably that's totally different. But it's kisor Torah says Ramosha, that's on the chance, maybe, you know, and maybe a fire won't break out, and maybe if one does break out, it won't be on Shabbos, and maybe you'll be able to say, no, but on the chance that maybe, Kisar Torah, over here you know that it's going to be burnt, says Ramosha. Furthermore, and this is unbelievable, says Ramosha, he says, you know, the, whenever you have an assay and a los assay that collide, what, what's the rule? Assay do cholosay, or mitzvah babavera. Hmm. When do you say, assay do cholosay, and therefore, good, do the mitzvah. Don't worry about the law say. And when do you say mitzvah babavera? No, don't do that. Mitzvah, that's a mitzvah babavera. So what's the rule? It depends if it's be'idna, if it's at the same time. If it's at the same time, I'm wearing shatnis in my tzitzis. So it's asay dochelosase. I'm doing a brismila on a child where he's got saras on the on the erla. Asay dochelosase. Cutting off the uh, the the saras is an losase, but it's at mamish the same time that I'm doing the mitzvahs mila. So my, that's a gemara's example. I'm not so creative. But the the, uh, the the when do we say mitzvah babavera? I'm going to steal the lulav so that I can later do the mitzvah with the lulav. Mitzvah babavera. Says Ramesha, what? You're going to say, I say, you're bringing tefillin in right now. That's your losase. It's a gram sreifas at tefillin the second you bring it into the quarantine. That's your losase. And so you could do the mitzvah, say, tomorrow morning? He says, oh, but what if you wear the tefillin in? You put them on as you're going into the quarantine zone. Then it's a say, he says, yeah, I would say that if not for the fact that there's a Ferish Gemara Sanhedrin and Aleph that seems to say not that way. What does the Gemara say? There's something called an Irani Dachas. This is somewhat of a Parsha connection, destroying a whole city. Irani Dachas. Most of the city worships of Adzara. What do you do? You burn down the whole place, says the Gemara, unless somewhere on some doorpost, somewhere in the city, there's a mezuzah. Then you can't burn down the whole place. You mean mitzvah doraisa, mitzvah sasei, to burn down an Irani Dachas. Oh, but there might be a mezuzah. Asay dochalos asay. Yeah, but not for burning Kitzvei Kodesh. Not for burning a tash, Tashmisha Kedusha. Wow. So, says Ramosha, apparently burning Kedusha is, is on a whole different level. But if he's wearing the tefillin going in, it's presumably not like his man tefillin. So why would that be? The flavor is not... No, it is, it is. He'll go in during the daytime. So it is man tefillin. Why not? Um... Now, what about spending money? How much money a person should spend on these kinds of things? So first of all, in general, by mitzvahs, you're not allowed to spend more than 20% of your money. I don't think anyone's spending more than 20% of their own personal wealth on this effort. However, even if you're not, there is, you can't say, oh, so it's a mitzvah, so everyone is chayef to give up, everyone is presented with the opportunity, is chayef to give up to 20% of their money. Now, there's a way you can allocate your money properly. There's only... Uh, uh, you know, there's only so much you can you can pay for, and uh, there is a concept of overpaying for a mitzvah, of paying beyond reason for a mitzvah. For example, the Gemara says in Masech Sukkah, Rambam Gamliel and a bunch of Tanaim were on a boat, and Rambam Gamliel had an esrog that he paid elav zuz for. So they shared the esrog, matan al to each of them. And the Gemara says, why do you have to mention that it was elav zuz? Who cares how much it cost? To let you know how much they love the mitzvah, that he's willing to spend all of those. Asks the Bira Lacha, Tafresh Nunvav. I don't understand. Rabbi Gamliel was an Ashir Muflag. 
You have to spend up until 20% of your money on a mitzvah. I assure you, Elav Zuz was nowhere near 20% of his money. What's the common mitzvah's chaviyah? What a tzaddik. It's a chiyuv. Of course he has to spend that much. Says the Bir Alacha. No, he doesn't have to spend that much because that's an unreasonable amount for an esrog. Even if it's less than 20% of your money, you do not have to spend an unreasonable amount for a mitzvah. How much is a pair of tefillin? A reasonable amount for a pair of tefillin? Thousand, fifteen hundred, whatever. It's not thirty thousand dollars. An unreasonable amount of effort. Now, one could argue that that's that, that's to get a pair of film, but to save the the kedushas tefillin might be might be a different story. Meaning, we, we do have to worry about the the kedusha of the tefillin, but still, it would seem to be more than the normal effort. As far as sentimental value, sentimental value doesn't technically mean anything in halacha, but people's feelings do. Um, meaning, for example. There's Allah and Tzedaka. Torah says, "What do you have to give?" You have to give up until whatever the person is missing is a mitzvah of tzedakah. So the guy used to drive a Ferrari, and now he no longer. Each time I give the share, I pick a different car. But now he no longer. I already use Mercedes and Porsche. So now he he uh, he, he no longer he no longer uh, drives a, drives a Ferrari. He can't afford it anymore because now he's poor. So it's a mitzvah of tzedakah to, to help him drive a Ferrari. Why? Because he's used to that. It means something to him. To me, driving a Ferrari doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't mean, it just means I get out of the way when I see those guys on the highway because I don't want to get into an accident with one of those guys. But it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to him. So, so, but for him, it means something. So we have to be sensitive to that. And therefore, if you choose to use your money to give to, give to that guy instead of feeding you someone almanus or food to put on the table, you choose to use your money to give to that guy, you know what you get? A mitzvah of tzedakah. Is it, is it smart? No. Is it the right way to spend your money? Would I advise it? No. But you know what it is? It's a mitzvah of tzedakah. So if someone wants to dedicate money toward this cause, is it money toward a mitzvah? Yes. Is it a smart way to spend the money toward a mitzvah? Maybe not. But, but, but it, it is money toward, toward a mitzvah. Um, the Bittal Torah, I don't, I'm not so bothered by. I, I mean, I'm bothered by Bittal Torah in general. But, you know... Whenever you have a mitzvah, Shiev Shalas Sadeh Acherim, you're allowed to be Vatal Torah for such a mitzvah. No one else could do it, and no one else could do it. There is only so many people that could sift through all that garbage. Um, and, you know, we scream Bittal Torah very often as we're reading the stories on the internet for hours on end and commenting and whatever. You know, ah, Bittal Torah! It like, reminds me of the people that, uh, you know, that scream about women learning Torah. Ah, terrible issue, women learning Torah! It's Kilo Malam de Tiflis! You know what we should do instead? They should be watching television and movies and binge-watching Netflix all day. That's Mamish Tiflis! You know, Kilo Malam de Tiflis! So should Mamish be doing... You know, like you have to get off our high horse sometimes and, you know, just like see what the alternative is. And what, okay, so whatever. It's a, again, a shmooze for a different time. In, in conclusion, are they obligated to do this? Definitely not. It seems to me that it's been a Kiddush Hashem. Uh, the way it's been reported. The guy in that interview that I played before highlighted two things. Nebuch, for this person who lost his tefillin, it means so much to him. And tefillin means so much to us. So the message that people are hearing is Jews care very much about each other and they care very much about their religious objects. Now, thank God it's happening in Rochester and not Staten Island. I would imagine Staten Island, the, uh, the, the sanitation workers would not be as charitable and kind and uh, giving of their time and giving you know, canine units of the local police station <laughs> helping out in the cause and everything else. But, but, you know, in, in, where it's happening, it seems to be a great Kiddush Hashem. And you can't really put a price on that. 
You know, on the one hand, you say, oh, what a waste of resource, what a waste of money. I assure you, I assure you, that the shul where this is happening is galvanized right now. Ta'avodos Hashem, ta'achdus, that they probably haven't felt in a while. There are certain things that you just, it's very hard to really put a, put a number on, on the value of, of an experience like, like this, to, to make such, a, such an effort. It's possible that it's a Kiddush Hashem only in Staten Island? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. No, it's possible to say that it was a risk and it could have turned into a big Hashem and, and thank God it turned into a Kiddush Hashem instead. It's possible to say all that. Again, with the Ashkafa part, I'm a little, um, you know, less strong. Uh, last thing. I saw this online. I, I don't know how... I, there were sources quoted for this. I don't remember the name of the sources. Um, the Chubina Rav, Rav Dov Ber Wiedenfeld, disagreed with Ramesha strongly. Rav Meshulam Roth agreed, the, the Kalman Vassar agreed with Ramesha about, about not bringing the tefillin into that, to that quarantine place. The story goes as follows. The Chubina Rav, one of the Gedolim in Israel at the time, confronted Rav Meshulam Roth with the fact that he had disagreed with him and with his older brother Rav Nachum, the Chubina Rav's older brother. He asked Rav Roth if he was aware of how his brother Rav Nachum had died. Rav Roth responded that he was aware of his unfortunate death during the Holocaust, but he was not familiar with the details of the death. Rav Dov Ber filled him in with the details. Before leaving his home to try and cross the border into Russia, Rav Nachum was able to gather a few possessions with him, including his holy tefillin. Upon attempting their great escape, they were met by several Nazi guards. The Nazis went through his things and found his cherished pair of tefillin. The guard opened them up and threw them on the floor. Rav Nachum, clearly shaken up, reached down, picked them up and kissed them. The guard again took them and threw them down. Only for Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman, even more overwhelmed, to pick them up again. The guard had repeated this vicious cycle until Rav Nachman could take no more. They left, crossed over the border, and Rav Nachman immediately entered the first Jewish house he saw and died. The trauma of witnessing the disgrace to Tefillin had pushed him beyond his limits. So concluded Rav Dov Ber. My brother knew what Tefillin was. He gave his life to spare any possible dignity for his beloved pair of tefillin. The pain of disgraced tefillin was literally unbearable. Before dismissing his psak, please consider who you are dealing with. Now, would Ramesha change his mind if you hear that story? No, I mean, I'm sure he would not change his mind if you hear that story. But, but I think what we can draw from that is that at least when we see the videos of this, it should break our heart that a pair of tefillin is ending up amongst all that amongst all that garbage and that it is a good thing if we can save it from from that from that end you know it should when we see the the tefillin in that in that video you know fall into the garbage you know sometimes it elicits a chuckle because the unexpected elicits a chuckle that's that's what happens but it should hurt more than more than it entertains to see to see tefillin, to appreciate what what tefillin are what tashmishay Kedusha what Kedusha, what Kedusha Atzim is. It's, it's not a psak. I'm not saying this as psak, because you, you don't use emotion like that. You know, like Ramanash Klein in his tshuva said, let me ask you, Rav Moshe. He says, let's say you have a guy who never put on tefillin in his entire life, and now he's deathly ill with this illness, and all he wants to do is tshuva, to put on tefillin for the first time. You're going to tell such a person that he can't put on tefillin because one day they're going to burn it because of the, uh, because of the, the diseases? You're going to tell such a person? No, you would never tell such a person not to put on tefillin. So why should someone who has put on tefillin his whole life be penalized and not be able to do the same thing? So that's, that's a ridiculous argument. That's not psak. You know, that's not, that's not, Ramesh would say, yeah, I would tell such a person not to put on tefillin. I mean, that's not halacha. 
But but a story like like this with the Shabin Rav, at least at least it should elicit in us some feelings of w- w- what our tefillin mean. And maybe uh, maybe maybe the proper reaction to this whole story is to be more careful with our tefillin, more careful with, with our kedusha, and how we treat them. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody.